0: Today um, we're going to build on the topics, and I'll do a little bit of a review. But energy is an interesting topic because it's one that I've never heard in dental conversations with any significant degree. And a lot of it is founded on a philosophy that um, I essentially learned from the school of hard knocks: um, is that one, organizations take on the personality of its leader; two, that um, leadership is best done by example and not by dictation and direction. Um, I use a lot of coaching strategies, but ultimately, I think in our heart, we know that role modeling the way is the best. And I was always feeling like dentistry was really draining. And that at the end of the day, my patients weren't getting all of me. And if they weren't getting all of me, my family after work wasn't getting all of me. And my team certainly was going to see the decline in me. And so, Some of these are strategies that I learned the hard way. Some of them I learned from study. I'll talk about some of the masters that I've trained with. But I like to speak of energy in a different term. We all know we should sleep well, drink more water, eat nutritiously, exercise, right? I think we can consider energy a bottom line strategy because when I'm coaching, dentists want to know, how do I grow my practice, right? Um, One of of the non-traditional ways is controlling your energy in the practice. Um, and there's some depth to it. So I'll dive in to a deeper degree. But ultimately, the more energetic that you can be in the practice, the more value you can deliver to your patients. And we all know that that a practice grows by delivering more value as time goes on, not to mention the ripple effect and influence and leadership. So it's a massive, massive category, but we'll hit it on a high level. And I'll deliver or explain some strategies that work for everyone, dentist or not. But again, I like to not think of it as necessarily just feeling better. It is something that um, I think too often in dentistry, we try and have more by doing more. This is a strategy of having more by being more. So let's just go ahead and dive in. I'll do a little uh, uh, extension of the introduction. I'm a certified high performance coach and a leadership coach. I'll talk a little bit more about my mentors um, these strategies were all built out of need. I was tired. I was broken. I was in a pit. My practice was the production was good, but the the overhead was out of control. I always left feeling like I was burning the candle at both ends. And and the more I talked to dentists, the more I had these conversations about either being in burnout or in the fringe of burnout. There's a sustainable strategy available. Uh, we just weren't taught it. So the the give more than we got tends to be the strategy we go with. And that's when we break. That's when our practice has challenges, is when we're not able to show up and be bigger than the problem. So it's important to distinguish that high performance is not achievement. Dentists are very achievement oriented. But we can chase and chase and chase purpose and chase more and end up exhausted. We have to align our purpose with some enjoyment and fulfillment, some pleasure so that we can get the outcomes that we want over the long haul. So my, my goal, my aim is to help dentists have their best year every year, and this, this is just one of, the, one of the pillars of that, increasing energy. So a review on the first two strategies. Um, the first one that we spoke of was accountability. Accountability I consider a keystone of leadership because if we're gonna blame, if we're gonna criticize, if we're gonna point fingers, our team will do the same. And we never get results when we're in that space. I like to think of a couple phrases, one of which is my practice is not limited by its opportunity, it's limited by its leader. Now that's can seem like a very confining statement, but it'll actually set you free because it allows you to control what you can control. And in a practice, it's almost everything. You do the hiring, you do the firing, you do the training, you do the case acceptance, um, you create. you you create uh, systems to help the team or don't. All of those things are within your control and you have to own that if you're going to have it grow year after year. The second challenge that I see commonly in dentists is that they don't know what they want. So going back to something I mentioned earlier is that they go chasing more. So I need my practice to grow every year. I need more toys. I need more technology. I need more staff and when more isn't the answer then we go chasing other people's visions and versions of success and I think purpose I think clarity is a matter of the heart and sometimes matters of the heart are difficult to explain and we actually have to shut off our brain which we get rewarded so much for as being dentists and figure out what are we called compelled to do what are we called to do what do we do that feels effortless and what do we do that we just need to get delegated and someone off someone else's plate. But to figure that all out, we have to play the long game and understand a few major questions that I mentioned in the last session, which is available on um, recording. Um, but I'll give you the highlights. What do you want? You don't need to feel guilt for wanting more. Um, it's natural. In fact, we're on most on purpose when we're contributing and growing. So being more, wanting more, is Part of the plan. It's something that you should should actually strive to do, uh, and that's why I love the concept of best year every year so much. Second is why do I want it? Now, now this gives the what some fuel. If we know why we want it, then we don't have to wait for motivation. We don't have to wait for I don't fe- wait wait for I feel like it. We do it because it needs to be done, because it, the impact it has on our patients, the impact it has on our children, the impact it has on our on our Community, those can be compelling whys that go outside just making more money. I'm certainly an advocate of dentists having prosperous careers, but there's a way to engineer it so that you have the prosperity and the fulfillment. It all starts with clarity. The third one is, who do I have to become to get it? Now, this is human behavior. Um, Typically, a dentist will go into hustle grind mode, and they'll try and have more by doing more. That will get returns but limited returns because again, we can end up in burnout because now we're giving more than we have. Um, I just had a coaching call earlier today and we were talking about how difficult it is when you're trying to see patients, you're trying to get case acceptance. So now you're in sales. You're the CEO, so you're leading a team. Oh wait, the sensor's broken. Can you now be the sensor technician? That is a very difficult role, and so we need to be clear on what our outcomes are and who we have to be, because this doing, doing, doing thing will, will break us, and we'll, either we're emotionally broken and we move to some form of sedation, sometimes it's just flipping through a phone, sometimes it's Netflix, Something. Is, sometimes it's a lot more harmful, but actually changing who you are, changing your capacities, changing how you show up, energy is a big part of that, will change everything because if we can appreciate that an organization takes on the personality of its leader, we have to understand that the drive of an organization will be a byproduct of expanding the leader's capabilities, confidence, those sorts of things. Well, how do we do that? Well, I've heard hundreds of stories of hiring this consultant, that consultant, and it worked for a while, and then they left, and the results left. Well, why is that? Those results were theirs. They weren't yours. To change your situation, to change your results, we have to change you. And how do we change you? We don't do more. We have to change your identity, your stories, and beliefs. Most of all of our activities are driven by this habitual nature. We're we're creatures of habit. It's driven by ritual. It's driven by our stories, our beliefs, and our identity. So if we change all that, we change the organization as a byproduct of that. We empower the team because they see you showing up and they follow suit. This is, this is leadership by example. But if they don't know what they're doing, the term I used last time is blind archery. If you, they don't know where they're headed, you don't know where they're headed, now we end up with this, this conglomeration, the net result of whoever shows up doing whatever they used to do in their last job, which creates a lot of frustration. So you can see how these all intersect into being a well established well um, oiled machine in a practice driven by a strong leader so this is um, a slide that i created and it's based on science it's based on a science called positive psychology for years and years decades psychology was a study of pathology when somebody's not healthy mentally what's wrong with them and so you had this big basket of diagnoses A while back, 10, 15 years ago, I believe, the science changed when they started studying positive psychology. What's the science of fulfillment? What's the science of achievement? What's the science of joy? That allows us to unpack some things as dentists. So as you're watching this, I want you to put yourself in one of these four categories. Are you an entitled dentist? Are you an emotionalist dentist? Are you an enthusiastic dentist? An exhausted dentist. And let me give these some further, further explanations. I think we all want to be in the top right corner, enthusiastic, but it's hard for me to find dentists there. And there's good reason why they're not there because they weren't given the skill sets and mindsets to get there. That's what I hope to get you further along today. Enthusiastic dentists have figured out the synergy of pleasure and purpose. Now let's move down to the bottom right. This is where most dentists I talk to because they happen to be at meetings and they're really um, on a path of growth, these tend to be achievement-minded dentists. Achievement-minded dentists can also be exhausted dentists because they don't ever take time to smell the roses. It's kind of this path of I'll be happy when, or you're running from something, or you're trying to prove that you're enough. Well, guess what? We never cross that finish line. We set a goal. We maybe even accomplish the goal, and we get there, and we have this feeling of well, I thought it would feel different. Is this all that this has to offer? It wasn't worth it. Um, there's a better way. Um, let me move to the, the most difficult place to be. Emotionless is this kind of place, typically you would have tried the achievement thing. You would have tried the, I'm just gonna chase pleasure and spend all the traffic, traffic uh, the creation, the byproducts of my success, the money. I'm gonna create toys. And neither one worked for you. And so you end up in this nihilistic behavior where it's like, oh, just forget it. I'm just going to go through the motions. I'm just working for a paycheck. It's just a factory. I'm just a tooth carpenter, whatever it looks like. That's that's kind of down and out where somebody has just had it, right? And I see a lot of mid-stage, late, late-stage dentists in this place. The Entitled dentist, that may not be a great term, but a reason I I, I titled it entitled dentists is because I see a fair amount of young dentists that think that their dental degree comes with all of these um, things, (laughs) things that come with it. Not that you have to earn them, that they just come with it. That's an income. That's time off, that they only have to work four days a week. they don't see the getting a dental license necessarily as a starting line. They see it as a finish line. So, my name is doctor. I wear a white coat. Therefore, I should have all these things respect from team. They can come a lot of different ways. So, they go chasing whatever feels good and they don't, they forget what got them there the work ethic, the, the ability to take tests and pass them. So, you can see if you look at each of these four quadrants, Something is missing in all of them. If you're just chasing pleasure, that ends up with this, mint, this empty feeling, like, is this all there is? If you're just chasing purpose, you're exhausted because you never have time to really experience joy. You're on to the next, you're on to the next um, goal, the next target. And what eventually happens for the exhausted dentist is you're shooting for abundance. You reach abundance, and the abundance becomes the new scarcity. Therefore, you never really feel fulfilled. But if we can align pleasure and purpose, we have more energy. We have more fulfillment. And then it goes into the old saying of, money won't make you happy, but happy will make you money. Because if you're feeling good, it's a lot easier to be a leader. It's a lot easier to be prosperous. It's a lot easier to go into your practice and engineer things, execute things that increase goodwill and increase case acceptance. And you cannot do that if you're not energetic. So there's a couple people that I wanna mention because a lot of this stuff comes from years and years of study, a lot of it comes from mentors. I have kind of three major mentors that um, taught me a lot of what I talk about today. One is Brendan Burchard. He taught me this um, concept of energy in its deepest form along with a lot of other, comp- um, a lot of other concepts that I coach on. He taught me the difference between achievement and high performance. The high performance has to come with some level of fulfillment, some level of joy, and that we can actually have the achievement with decreased stress and increased fulfillment if we do it right. One of the most powerful things he taught me was about energy. And he goes, uses this metaphor that the power plant doesn't have energy, it generates it. And we have to think of ourselves as a power plant. I mentioned earlier, sometimes we wait for motivation. Sometimes we wait until we feel like it. Sometimes we wait for the energy. That's a cop-out because being a leader, being a practice owner comes with the roles and responsibilities that we gotta do things no matter what. Not to mention if we can create energy, actually trigger energy, actually start moving around when we don't feel, feel like it, we'll be more productive. More productive means more compensation. That's why this is a bottom line strategy but we can't assume, we can't just live with the notion that energy comes and goes and I have no control over it. We have to figure out how do we preserve it and how do we create it when it's needed? How do we, at five o'clock on the last day of the work week, how do we show up for that patient the same way we did for the first patient on Monday? That's the question, right? John Maxwell is considered the leading expert on Leadership. He speaks of energy in these terms, delegate. That's one of the hardest things for dentists to do is delegate, is get things off their plate so that they can preserve their energy for things that require a dental license and higher level leadership decisions. But he says, delegation. delegate, work smarter, not harder. Do what you do best and drop the rest. Get control of your calendar. Do what you love because it will give you energy. Work with people that you like so your energy isn't depleted. Man, if I could tell you how hard it is for me to work with people I don't like, um, that would be an understatement. Now I have a team that really supports me. Um, I hold them accountable. They hold me accountable. I love them. They love me. And that is one of the most, one of the greatest energy sources that you can have. Using an old Jim Rohn quote, he says, we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Those aren't your family typically, those are your team members. So carefully engineering who those people are, what they do, how they're trained is really important. Not to mention what he's mentioning here, creating boundaries. I do this, you do that. Certainly sometimes we have to collaborate, but every time there's a water leak, every time there's an upset patient, that does not have to become a doctor matter. That is a key element in preserving your energy. The third people that I would probably talk about before I move on is we've all heard this phrase standing on the shoulders of giants. In the last year, uh, Dr. Justin Short and I have created a book called Titans of Dentistry. It profiles these very things. What do you do in the morning? What do you do to create energy? What do you do as a leader to make sure that your plate is clear of certain things so you can focus on other things? Titans of dentistry have been my other mentor, standing on their shoulders, standing on the shoulders of the world's greatest high-performance expert, Brendan Bouchard. John Maxwell has taught me so much and unlocked so many things. Um, not just for me, but I'd like to bring this message to dentistry because I just see so many opportunities that if we just do things slightly different, if we just are willing to pull away from the crowd and not think that, We have to be in these money-making activities to make money directly that a certain amount of time certainly needs to be doing dentistry, but we also need to schedule time to work on the team, do work on the business, and we also have to schedule time to work on us. If we can get those three things synergizing, then we have a practice that can grow every single year. So let's talk about um, some, some definitive strategies. This one is a big one. This one could be a, a day-long seminar in and of itself. I'll talk about some things that I use. Um, I don't get any sort of kickbacks or referrals for these are just things I believe in. I'm not comfortable talking about things I don't use. And these are the things I use to help maintain my energy. But the overriding concept is that we have to understand that the day, the work day begins the night before. So, being very methodical, being very strategic about when we go to bed and what we do before bed sets the tone for the next day. If we are always in this reactive mode and don't have a way to pull out of it to be proactive, we are asking to walk into our office on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, whenever it may be, in reactive mode, and we never pull out of that. The easiest way to do that is when there's time and space. And the easiest place to do that is usually bedtime. Now, sometimes we're a victim to the TV, the news, uh, bedtimes of children, all those other sorts of things. I get all that. You can't can't relieve yourself of parenting responsibilities. Occasionally, there's a meeting that will run late. Um, But there's other things that are simply distractions. The phone can be a distraction. Like I said, the TV can be a distraction. If we can keep a promise to ourselves of my bedtime is between, say, 9.30 and 10. And we hit that, it changes our identity. And like I said before, when it changes our identity, it changes everything. So start with the bedtime. What we do before bed is also important. Um, Turning off devices so we're not getting this light, so that we're not signaling to our brain that it's still daylight out and we should be up. We need to make sure that we're powering down lights, TVs, um, filters on the phone, things like that, so that we're sending a message to our brain that it's... to turn off for the night. Um, Another important thing that can be, a strategy can be utilized is reflection. Sometimes reflection looks like simple questions to yourself like, what did I learn today? What did I love about today? What are three things that I'm grateful for? Uh, I actually use a journal that I'll talk to you a bit about before that has some of those guided coaching questions. and I just spend five or six minutes kind of unloading ideas, um, getting things off my plate, worries off my plate so that they're archived so that I don't have to think about them through the night. They don't have to be woken up at three o'clock with an, oh my gosh, I forgot to do this, or an, oh my gosh, I'm worried about this team member, this patient, that sort of thing. Um, and then you need a good night's rest. So let's get into some things that I use. Um, I'm a little bit of a freak um, being in this high performance lane for a couple of years about measuring things. The first thing that I'll mention that I use is called the Aura Ring. I have it on this hand right here. The Aura Ring sends messaging to an app that gives you feedback on the quality and quantity of your sleep. It actually gives you a score on how ready you are for the next day. I've been using this for maybe a few months, and it's the first thing I check every single day. And sometimes if the score is low and I have a little extra time to sleep, I'll go back to sleep. But it measures the light sleep, the REM sleep, the deep sleep, so that you can get an idea of when you're waking up and don't realize it. And you'll start to notice trends, like the thing that I know for sure is that if I even have a beer before bed, it totally disrupts my sleep, regardless of when I go go to bed. And so I have to know that if I'm gonna have a beer, then I'm gonna sacrifice sleep. Sometimes I'm willing to do that, usually I'm not, because I'm worried about performing the next day and getting things done And my roles and responsibilities and moving my life and practice forward. So ordering is the first thing that I'll mention. The second thing that I'll mention is kind of bundled under a morning routine. Now, I would never prescribe a morning routine. I'll just tell you what works great for me and what works great for lots of people that are in this world. Um, I would say setting aside time for meditation is probably one. Setting aside time for exercise. I like Dentist has a bottom line strategy, again, to sweat before they go to work, not for health, certainly there's health health benefits there, but to wake up your nervous system to make sure that you're ready to go when the eight o'clock patient walks in the room and that your team sees that of you. Um, Journaling, I mentioned, um, some form of nutrition drink. Um, I'll tell you that I use Organifi and Athletic Greens kind of interchangeably. Um, I use uh, a custom, semi-custom multivitamin pack from a company called Persona Nutrition. Uh, I told you about the Aura Ring. Um, For meditation, how I measure the quality and quantity of my meditation is through another app and a brain-sensing headband, another device called Muse. Um, I have a home gym. I like home gyms because it gets rid of a lot of the excuses like, I don't wanna go outside when it's cold and five o'clock in the morning and it's dark. Um, I use Peloton, I use uh, free weights by Bowflex, but that's kind of the gist of it. And I'll tell you some sequencing that I think is really good. Um, But again, this has to be customized. Some people need time to read the Bible. Some people need time for creative. Whatever helps you come alive, whatever brings out the best in you, whatever makes you feel good in the morning is a good investment. But traditionally, exercise and meditation are really high-impact players in that. Um, Sequencing. My favorite sequencing is waking up early, early as possible. For me, 4.35. Uh, I like about an hour to do this sort of stuff. Some people don't have that. I think you can compress it in 25 or 30 minutes if you had to. Um, I wake up. My... Tendency is to want to exercise first. The thing that I have found is if I exercise first, I find it hard to drop into a meditative state. So lately I've been meditating first and then journaling. The journal that I use um, is, a, is a product of one of my mentors, Brendan Burchard, is called the High Performance Journal. So I'll immediately clear my head with meditation 10 minutes typically, and then I'll move into some morning questions to make sure I'm set for the day. I know what my priorities are. That maybe takes five or 10 minutes. And then I move into exercise. Um, I usually mix 15, 10, 15, 20 minutes of pretty aggressive cardio with some form of strength training. And when I say some form of strength training, I just usually do one set to failure, uh, whether it be shoulders, chest, back, buys, um, tries. Legs, I usually um, get on the peloton. I do some climbing there. So that gives you some background on mind, body. Then I'll move into the green drink. I'll take a ton of water with a green drink. And um, usually the other point I want to touch on is um, relationships. Making a deposit in your family member's bank account is a really good way to start your day and Make sure it's an energetically charged uh, note of appreciation for, in my case, my son and my wife before I hit the door. Makes me feel like I've checked the big boxes already. The last thing I would say is that hasn't been touched on here is we've talked about mind, we've talked about body, we've talked about spirit, we've talked about relationships. The last one is mind. Usually I'll move into some sort of leadership training and or um, Business training via audible or podcast on the drive into work. Once I have that, my my foundation is proactive and it's rock solid. I'm ready to go to work. And that may seem tiring. It actually gives you energy once it becomes habitual. So that's how you begin the day, the night before, and roll that immediately into a good night's sleep and then into a strong foundation for an energetic start to your day. Now you're into your day. So we talked a little bit about the challenges of a busy dental practice. Like you have so many hats you wear, you have so many responsibilities. You're moving from room to room. One minute you may, one minute you may be doing an endodontist, being doing endodontics. One minute, the next minute you may be um, an orthodontist. Then you might be the chief marketing officer. Then you might be the leader. Then you might be taking on a patient complaint. That is very difficult, because we start to lose our identity, which I told you was so important at the very beginning, um, and we lose energy throughout the day. So we end up in this state of decision fatigue, and almost a crisis of identity, because we're doing hygiene check in OP2, but we're also needed for hygiene check and OP1, and we're finishing a root canal in OP3. All very demanding. There's some research that shows that Um, High level executives deplete energy similar to a quarterback in an NFL football game. Now, I have to think that a dentist being also not only just the CEO, but also the lead producer expends same if not more energy. So how we take care of our transitions is how we preserve that energy. And let me tell you what I mean by a little bit of a story. So, a couple years ago, I started this high performance training, and one of the things I was taught was release tension, set intention. I'll give you a very simple example, and then I'll give you a more complex in the office example. Simple example I used to always come home from work and then bring that work right into the kitchen to my family. They were ready for me to be dad, they were ready for me to be husband. I was still dentist, I was still CEO. I was still dealing with that clinical issue or patient issue or team issue at work. That's not fair to you and that's not fair to them. So how do you leave that work at work? Well, I give myself the liberty of at least thinking about it on the drive home. Um, And then I park the car and I take six deep breaths. And we'll talk a little bit more about breaths and why that's important. But I literally think of myself changing roles as though I was doing a one-man play and I was playing this character, and now I have to play this character. That's literally how drastic the transition is, and that's how how intentionally you have to be about it, is, okay, no longer dentist, now moving into being world-class dad. So I show up in a completely different state. How does this look in a dental practice? Well, it can be a lot more complicated because we transition fast and furious throughout a work day in a dental practice, at least I do. Um, I usually have four columns fully booked all day long. Very few no-shows, almost no downtime, and we run on schedule. But we're pushing it. We have to push it to make it all work. So, how does this look? And let me tell you a story about this. So, I had no idea about release tension, set intention, and, and when I learned it, I said, "Well, I'm going to give this a try." And so, t- October in my practice is traditionally a challenging month. I live in a resort town. The, a lot of people aren't around that time of year and my, my practice numbers usually take a pretty significant dip. Look, two Octobers ago, I learned this strategy. Release tension, set intention. And I'll tell you how it works and then I'll tell you what happened, what the byproduct was. So, imagine if you will, I'm doing a crown prep and opt to. I get a note that I need to do a hygiene check in OP1. So I finish what I'm doing. Say there was a complication there, meaning I was having trouble controlling the heme, the bleeding, something. So I was a little bit, it wasn't just a day in the life. It was, there was some specific challenge that we were, had to do more than just going through the motion. Sometimes I might wear that and move it, to carry that into the next patient. That's not fair to them. So release tension is I would leave the room, I would literally take a conscious breath, leave that problem behind, and I would move in to the next room. Every single habit we have has a trigger, and I use the doorway as a trigger. And the trigger would trigger in me an internal conversation. I asked myself, what does this patient want? Not what does this patient want, but what does every patient want? I didn't want to change it every time. And so I came up with this patient wants a happy man who is ready to serve. That patient doesn't wanna hear about my bad day. That patient doesn't wanna know that I'm having trouble getting the endophile to lengthen up three. That patient wants all of me, and I want that patient to feel like they're the only patient we have that day. So the trigger that I said to myself is, through this door walks a happy man that is ready to serve. So it triggered a change in physiology, a change in psychology, it changed the way that I showed up for that patient. How it manifested is hard for me to say. I think I was probably a little better at small talk. I probably extend the conversation a little bit, probably a little bit more eye contact, probably a lot more connection. And I did that through all of October. And so what happened? Traditionally, October was the worst month, I told you that. That year, 2017, October was our best month. We almost bettered the previous October by a factor of two. We outperformed our average month by 20 or 30%. Like, it was significant. Listen, I didn't change anything in my procedure mix. I didn't change the way I scheduled. I didn't change one team member. I didn't change any marketing. I changed the way that I showed up, and the way that I showed up for patients, and it drove case acceptance to that degree. That's how how impactful manage your energy, managing your state, Making sure that you're doing what needs to be done whether you feel like it or not and figuring out how do I change roles elegantly? How do I do it successfully? So I'm not just like Atlas shrugged with all these things piling on me and by the end of the day, five o'clock, I carry all that right back into my house. It doesn't have to be that way but you need a skill set and, and a mindset to be able to master these transitions. That's the best way I know how. Third strategy. Breathing and physicality. Breathing. There's science that shows that when we're getting worked up, um, when we're triggering our fight or flight mechanism, sometimes that can be an angry patient. Sometimes that can be a clinical challenge that we talked about. Sometimes that can be uh, a hygienist didn't show up for work because of icy roads or a family issue anything that's a disruption to the day usually triggers some sort of stress or anxiety how do we how do we deal with that science shows that if we just take and this is this is a close cousin to meditation that's why i have this picture on here if we just take six deep breaths six times it will take us out of that fight or flight mechanism. It takes us into calm, six deep breaths. It's something that we use in my house. I'll say it to my son if he's worked up, Then six deep breaths. And it's amazing how quickly that'll change your state. What's another way to use breathing? Another way to use breathing is called breath scaling. Breath scaling would be used when you need energy. So for me, it would be when I'm about to go on stage um, late in the day, late in the week. Breast scaling is different than the slow six deep breaths, significantly different. And I'll give you an abbreviated version, but you'll get the idea. Breast scaling can completely change your energy. Say you're a six, it can take you to an eight or nine in less than a minute. So breast scaling would go something like this. Starts out like the other big deep breaths. but then they slowly get faster and faster. And then you slow back down. You want to take your time doing that, but that hyper oxygenates your blood system, which gives you energy. That's how you go from the power plant. That's from a power plant. That's, Creating it, that's how you make the power plant create energy. (laughs) I lost my train of thought there. Third is physicality. This one's hard for me because I'm introverted. I'm monotone. I tend to not be expressive. I lived in Italy for a while, and it's amazing how they talk with their hands. But you can trigger energy just by being a little bit more of a preacher man, a little bit more exaggerated in your emotions, a little bit more voice inflection now that may seem unnatural yeah it's unnatural but if you practice that you can get good at it i have to do it when i speak from stage i have to do it when i podcast i have to do it when i present to you because otherwise you would just hear this version of me right and it's still something i'm work on but when you need to trigger energy in the day you don't wait for the energy you go after it and with through hand motions voice intonation those sorts of things you can actually be more energetic after a short amount of time. It's, not a, it's almost like a fake it till you make it. Like you don't have energy, act like you have extra energy. The byproduct will be more energy. So we've gone over three significant strategies. They'll change the way that you practice. It'll change your goodwill and case acceptance, which I consider the biggest drivers of the practice. It'll change the way you lead because now you're more energetic. If you're leading by example and you're more energetic, what happens to your team? If everyone in your team is more energetic, what happens to the practice? What happens to the patient experience? You can see the ripple effect of this. Again, this isn't, this isn't having more by doing more. This is having more by being more. Showing up, increasing your capacities, your ability to take on problems. All of us want these problems to go away. Listen, we're paid to solve problems. Don't wish the problems away. Um, just make sure that you're bigger than the problems and mastering your energy, uh, mastering your morning, mastering some of these habits, inputting them intentionally through your day can have massive payoffs. And again, I say this as a bottom line strategy. It's hard for me to convince a dentist that sweating before work will pay money because they think it's not a money act, money act, direct money making activity, which is doing dentistry. You don't want to decline as you're, career goes on. You don't want to decline as the day goes on. You don't want to decline as the week goes on. Listen, I've seen so many practice prospectuses. These practices are for sale, and you can see the decline in the numbers year after year as this dentist kind of approached burnout and checked out of the practice. I want you to have your best year every year. I want you to feel that best year. I want your practice to get more and more prosperous because When you're prosperous, you can buy the new technology, you can train the team, you can gift to the team, you can have an awesome Christmas party. You've invested a lot in your career and these strategies will only enhance your ability to serve your patients. Most dentists I run across are hardworking, they're kind-hearted, but they weren't given the skill sets and mindsets to make sure that they integrated those two things we talked about originally, purpose and pleasure. If you figure that out, that can be a driver to your best year every year. So, in conclusion, most of us are trained to be more by doing more. That's what we do in dental school. We'll pull all nighter, we'll stay up late, we'll do whatever it takes, right? That is not a sustainable strategy. It works in short term. If you're in a startup, you may need to do that. Do not make that your long term practice strategy. Make it <clears throat> having more by being more because the practice takes on the, pra- the personality of you, its leader, and if you're more, your team will be more. And things just get fun when you're more energetic, you're more purposeful, that you can have some enjoyment, that your values, mission are all aligned. So this all boils down into a leadership strategy. And understand that this is a bottom line strategy. Sweating before work will help pay the bills because either your energy is accelerating the production or it's inhibiting. There is no neutral. I would like to close and thank Equi Marketing, Naren, the whole team over there have been incredible in setting this up. The marketing that they're doing, the way that they're packaging, the, um, the recordings is phenomenal. I love so much to get this message out there because it's created so much more for me, prosperity in the practice, a well functioning team, and you can see the ripple effect. If you have happy team members, it affects their family, it affects your family, it affects patients. And while we talk about money because a business is a business to create revenue, there can certainly be fulfillment that goes along with that. And these strategies, again, are backed by science. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a dentist, if you're a Silicon Valley investor, if you're a Fortune 50. CEO, if your name is Oprah, if your name is Usher, these all work all the time. I like to put it in a package so dentists can understand them because I know it can help them have their best year every year and so I'm really grateful for Equa Marketing for putting this all together. Um, if you want more on this or you want to see a recording, that will be available. Um, similar messages that I have out there, I'm doing a video series on Instagram. As you know, I'm the host of The Relentless Dentist that is always available on iTunes. And if you have any questions, please reach out to me directly at dr.dave at relentlessdentist.com. Again, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Lila. I do have a question for you. Okay, please. You had talked about when you have to work with some, you want to surround yourself with people you like. When you're forced Mm -hmm. to work with somebody that you dislike, that is a drain on your energy. How would you address that? Um, I, I do, I'm not somebody that can fire fast. I'm, have not developed that ability. Um, I need, I feel like when I hire somebody, it's a bet on their success. So I need to feel like I've done everything I can to make them successful. When I look at people that I've struggled to be around, it's usually a performance issue. So I focus on the performance. I give them, I, I have a series of, meetings. We have annual meetings that define the mission and values. We have team meetings that have training. We have one-on-one meetings to make sure that they're feeling good and that they have the tools um, and the training that they need to be good at their job and, and serve our patients. And so throughout that, if someone has kind of fallen through the cracks or they're holding down the team, two things usually happen. I usually have a one-on-one meeting with them and I give them some criteria like, listen, and I, and I don't make it about me and them, I make it about their dedication to the alignment of the team and the service of the patient. So I'll make it very crystal clear of these outcomes aren't negotiable. Um, we have to figure out how to get there. And then I try and coach them, meaning I don't want to tell them the path, I want to say, how do you think we get there? And have them kind of self-prescribe and then I'll do another check-in in 30 or 60 days. So I usually try and coach the performance Occasionally there'll be some personality issues, whether it be friction. Um, the other thing that I, I failed to mention is that the team, when we have such a strong culture um, by intention and everybody knows what we stand for and people know what our key values are, if a new hire starts to kind of say, yeah, that doesn't apply to me or they're bringing down the team, the team is usually the first to alert me to that. So having a strong culture, I think, is almost like an immune system it'll keep what's good in and keep what's bad out. And so I have a team of people that believe in what we stand for And when somebody doesn't stand for it. Sometimes they'll nudge them along. Sometimes, like I said, I'll have to be a little bit more forceful. Um, Saying I don't like the person is probably making it too personal. It usually is that I'm having conflict with them because they're not performing to the standard that we're used to and what our patients come to expect. And so I usually work through that through a series of meetings and making sure the expectations are clear. And it's interesting. I just had a situation a couple weeks ago where we did all this, and because the expectations were clear, I was able to sit down with the with the person, and she basically said, um, "I think you're asking for somebody that wants a career, and I just want a job." And I said, "You're." saying that this isn't a good fit for you she said no i looked through all those things that i was supposed to have done by next month and i'm just having a hard time engaging in." i said well if this isn't what you want i believe in win-win or no deal Uh, if it's not good for you it's not good for me so let's develop a plan and it was like the most beautiful parting of paths i've ever had there was very little dramatics about it we both were accountable and that was because the expectations going back to clarity everything was all out there and either we were doing it or we weren't doing it. And she decided that she wasn't committed to that objective and that she was holding back the team. And that allowed us to kind of part as friends and wish each other well and the team felt the same. So um, long story short, I think it's just making sure that they have measurable standards and that you're giving them guidance and clarity and then you're supporting them in getting there. And if they can't do that, then the only option is to edit the team. <laughs> okay, makes sense. And you talked about your book. Is that available on Amazon? It is available on Amazon. It's called Titans of Dentistry. Um, we profiled 30 really high-performing dentists. All Some of them are household names like Gordon Christensen and Pete Dawson. Other of them are a little bit more obscure, but we wanted to show, going back to one of my original concepts in this conversation, that... The path to success is of your own choosing. Therefore, you have to get very clear on what you want, what fits your personality, and that it's not all about money and toys. It's about the sense of fulfillment, the sense of growth, the sense of contribution along the way. So there's a few dozen people profiled in there, and we ask them very deep questions, not about how do you prep a crown, but like, what do you do in the morning? What's your morning routine? What are you scared of? What is your biggest challenge in your career, and how did you come back from it? Um, So it really gives, it's the book I wish I had 10 years ago, quite frankly, because um, it it really dives into the mindsets and skill sets of different people and makes sure that people understand, dentists understand that success isn't defined by someone else, it's defined by you, and you have to sit down, create some time and space to get really clear to make sure that you're on target for that, or if you're not off target, that you're figuring out ways to to um, to get on target. And um, yeah, it's available on Amazon. Um, there's paperback, Kindle, and Audible should be out in a week or two. Thank you for the opportunity. Next month's meeting will be on the topic of courage, and it is scheduled for March 8th. Same time, um, 2 p.m. Mountain, 4 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, March 8th, topic is courage. All right, I appreciate it, thank you.